We hear the good news according to the witness of St. John, the 20th chapter of his gospel, beginning at the first verse. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, Why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was also called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand, put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed? Because you've seen me, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. 
Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of our Lord. Amen. In some Orthodox Christian traditions, the days after Easter are devoted to merriment, to laughter, to joy, and the telling of jokes. And these Christians for centuries believe that by telling their little jokes, their little funny stories, they are celebrating the greatest story ever told and the great joke that God pulled on Satan that first Easter because the evil one thought he'd won. He thought Jesus was as good as dead to rot in that tomb. So he thought. And then God raised Jesus from the grave. Life would be the last word, not death. And our God had the last laugh, as the saying goes. I don't want anyone here to think I'm picking on politicians, but in the spirit of that tradition, let me tell you a joke told to me by a politician, a member of our own New Mexico State Senate. What's the difference between Bigfoot and an honest politician? There have actually been a few sightings of Bigfoot. (laughs) And it's a good thing I didn't try to feed my family by being a comedian. Those Orthodox Christians tell jokes as part of their celebrations of God, God's victory over sin in the grave. And they call it um, Rhesus Pascalis, which literally means Easter laughter. <laughs> they laugh and rejoice with Jesus. Maybe we should start that tradition here at Faith. And every Monday night after Easter Sunday, we could have an open mic where all of you could come up and tell your best stories, your funniest jokes, not just to distract ourselves, but to celebrate God's grace and God's mercy and Jesus' victory. The German theologian Jorgen Moltmann expressed this idea in a single sentence. And he wrote many long, esoteric theological books in his life. But most people remember Moltmann for a single sentence. He wrote, God weeps with us so that we may laugh with him. Mary was weeping that first Easter morning, wasn't she? John tells us she stood outside the tomb crying. She was already in grief enough at the death of Jesus, and now it appeared that insult had been added to injury. It appeared to her that grave robbers had taken the body. Imagine that. And it was only when Jesus called her by name that her tears became joy. Mary, Mary, says Jesus. And just by speaking her name, everything changed. What seemed to be a horrible experience, the cross, the blood, the suffering the dead body, the burial, and then what she thought was a stolen corpse. 
what had been a horrible experience now became a cause for celebration and hope. Mary's eyes were opened to see that it wasn't the gardener. Her tears were wiped away. Her hurting heart was blessed. And her very life was changed. All because the resurrected Lord stood before her, alive and well, and called her by name. You make no mistake this Easter morning. Don't doubt it ever. Trust in this assurance and this promise. Jesus knows you, and he knows you by name. You are no stranger to your Lord. He is well acquainted with you. He knows everything there is to know about you, your joys and your sorrows. He knows your past, every detail of it. He knows your victories. He knows your mistakes. He knows your joy. He knows your regrets. Nothing about you or me is hidden from the Lord. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas may be one of the most successful ad campaigns of the last 10 years, and it is. But God knows everything that happens in Vegas and every other place you've ever been. And the same Jesus who called out to Mary calls out to you right here, right now. He calls out to you. He knows your name, and he wants you to live in the power of his resurrection, to trust that his love is for you, and he invites you to give your past to him, especially the parts that might be dark or painful or embarrassing. Jesus wants you to give that over to him so he can give you a life and a future that is bright and good and everlasting. The God we worship and praise this morning is no impersonal higher power. He is not some faceless force beyond our knowledge. He is not some ethereal essence floating somewhere out there in the far reaches of the universe just kind of observing you as you try to make sense out of life. This God, the one true God, decided to take on human flesh and become one of us. This God is Jesus who walked this earth and died a real death. And he wants you to know him as he knows you. And he wants you to understand how much he loves you. And a love that caused him to go the way of a lonely cross for your sake. You see, Jesus died a real death so that we could live. And the life he wants us to have is not just taking up space or managing to get along for a while. Jesus died a real death so that you could really live, not just in heaven someday, but now in the power and the promise of that empty tomb. Your eternal life that stretches into eternity begins now in Christ. And the same Jesus calls you by name, and he wants you to believe in his name. And this belief is not just a matter of the head, it's a matter of the heart. It's not just a matter of knowledge. 
It's a matter of love and trust. Remember this, friends. The joke was on the devil, who now knows who Jesus is completely. The devil has knowledge of Christ, but that father of lies, that deceiver, does not love Christ. He certainly doesn't trust Jesus, and he doesn't adore the King of Kings. So Jesus, the same Jesus who stood outside the tomb where his body had been laid, calls you to believe in him, to trust him, because he loves you and he died for you. And if such trust and faith is difficult for you, if it doesn't come so easily for you, well, I've got good news. You've got a really good friend in Thomas. Poor old Thomas, stuck with the same label for nearly 2,000 years. Let's all say it together. Doubting Thomas. That's unfair. It is untrue. He is not doubting Thomas. He's really believing faithful Thomas. How would you like it? You think about this. If people only referred to you because of something you said or did long ago for a short while, how would you like it if your nickname was based on some embarrassing moment from yesteryear, something that happened in your youth, something that you did and now regret? How fair would it be to have nicknames like, well, unforgiving Frank and hateful Harry and selfish Sam and promiscuous Paula and lazy Larry and unreliable Reggie? What name would people give you based on that moment in your life? None of us would want to be stuck with a moniker like that based on situations, mistakes, or the poor judgment of our past. Yeah, Thomas was a doubter for about a week. And think about what the text reveals to us and teaches us. The disciples were behind closed doors, cowering in the shadows like cowards. Thomas at least had the courage to be out somewhere on the streets. Let's at least give him credit for that. But he wasn't there hiding like scared puppy dogs in the shadows when the other disciples first saw Jesus as he appeared to them. He wanted to see it with his own eyes or else he wasn't going to believe it. And one week later, Jesus appeared again. This time, Thomas was there. Doubting Thomas became Thomas the believer. And you should know that many Christians now refer to him as St. Thomas. And in the writings of many early Christian historians, he is mentioned as the apostle who took the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus all the way to India. So let's not... Talk about him being doubting Thomas anymore. And God used his servant John, the writer of this morning's gospel, to speak to those of you who might be like Thomas, the ones who aren't necessarily ready to believe the good news at first. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. And Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that aren't written in this book, 
But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And that through believing, you may have life. Life in his name. I want to share with you a story of life this morning in conclusion that I came across years ago in a magazine I used to subscribe to called Leadership. It's to me probably one of the most um, profound and beautiful Easter stories of life that I've ever come across. And it's a true story. Philip was born with Down syndrome and a compromised immune system. His parents did their best to mainstream him, and he attended Sunday school with all the other boys and girls in his third grade class. The Sunday after Easter, his teacher brought a bunch of leftover plastic Easter egg containers, and the children were told to go outside on that lovely spring day and find some symbol for new life, put it inside their eggs, and bring it back in. After looking around the church property, the students returned to the classroom and placed their eggs on the table in their classroom. And surrounded by all the children, the teacher began to open them one at a time. The first contained a small dandelion. The next one had a ladybug. The third one had a worm. And then the next one was opened. But there was nothing inside of it. And one of the boys exclaimed, that's stupid. Another one said, that's wrong. And Philip spoke up and said, that's mine. And one of the girls in that class said, Philip, you don't do anything right. There's nothing there. You didn't do what we were told. But Philip insisted, yes, I did. I did do it. It's empty. Because the tomb was empty. Because Jesus is alive. And that teacher and all those boys and girls were silent. Later that year, Philip went to the hospital with an infection that he couldn't shake off. Most children would have shrugged it off and been better in a matter of days, but he died. And at the funeral, his Sunday school classmates walked up to the front of the church with their teacher, not with flowers, But they all came with empty plastic Easter eggs to place on the altar in remembrance of Philip and his sweet, pure faith and the promise of the empty tomb, which he knew means life. On this Easter morning, I pray that God will bless you with faith like Mary, knowing that God knows you by name. And loves you. I pray that God would bless you with faith like Thomas, not the doubter, but the servant, the believer. And I pray that God would bless you with faith like Philip, who knew that the best sign of new life is not a butterfly or a blossom or the grass turning green, but the empty tomb of Jesus Christ our Lord. I pray that you will rejoice with God in his victory over sin and death. And that God will fill your heart and all your homes with joy as you celebrate the gift of life, the perfect life, the eternal life that Jesus has won for you. And if you have a good joke to tell or a funny story to share,
as you enjoy your Easter dinner, then go ahead, let it rip. Tell those jokes. And as you laugh out loud, remember Rhesus Pascalis, our Easter joy. Laugh out loud. Laugh. Rejoice with Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.